And this is Scanner School. We teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. All the session notes from today's podcast episode can be found on our website at scannerschool.com slash session 223. Now, before we get started, I want to remind you, next week I am doing another Ask Scanner School session because, hey, it's already going to be April. And the first Tuesday of the month is when we do our Q&A session. So make sure you leave me a voicemail at 516 308 Again, 516-308-2885. Or you can go over to scannerschool.com slash ask. And when you go over there, you can either leave me a speak pipe message, which again is another way of leaving me a voicemail, or fill out the form and email me in your questions. I can't do those podcast episodes without your questions. And don't forget, you can follow us again Tuesday evening over on uh, let's see, uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we do live Q&A sessions. And anybody who's an extra credit Patreon supporter at the $5 a month or higher level will also be able to join us for our Zoom session. We'll be going for about another hour after the public session is over and we just talk shop, whether it's scanning, two-way radios, whatever it might be at our mind. And we go out for, uh, we go for quite a while and in different, different tangents. So again, Join us next Tuesday, but again, I need your questions. All right, so this topic this week is one that I have wanted to talk about for quite a long time, and I'm happy to be able to do that. But before we get there, let me tell you what's been going on here in my own radio shack or my own shack this past week, and it's related very closely to what it is we're talking about this week, which is about Bill Cheek, who was a huge pioneer in the scanner radio world. And this is probably something that he really would have dove into a bit. So this weekend, I kind of wanted to dissect FM radio a little bit, you know, FM broadcasts to be more specific. There's a lot of information that happens actually inside the FM broadcast signal that we're listening to. So inside that channel, if you ever looked at it on a spectrum, you'll notice there's lots of spikes in there. Well, we have a mono channel, which is left plus right, and that goes for about 15 kilohertz worth of bandwidth in there. Then you've got a stereo pilot channel, and that stereo pilot channel lets your receiver know this is a stereo signal. Just past there, you actually have the sub-channel difference signal, which is actually left minus right. It subtracts out the other channel, and that's how you get stereo, okay? On top of that, over a little bit more, over at the 57 kilohertz marker, you've got RDS, which is basically, hey, it tells your in-dash receiver the artist, uh, the song title, the, the, the actual frequency and the call sign of the station you're listening to, maybe even a... Um, a bulletin or, you know, sometimes during commercials, they even air other commercials on the RDS stream as well. All that is visible 
in the FM spectrum or the FM signal that you're listening to. So if you park your, your frequency or, or your radio on, like, say, 100.3, all this is in there. You're just listening to the audio. But there's a lot more going on that we could physically see it's going on there. What's also cool is that there's additional subcarrier programming, completely different programming that you can hear on the FM channel. But there's up to two sub programs that are available at the 67 kilohertz range and also at the 92 kilohertz range you've got the two channels now we're not going to go into any of that listening or what you could do with them because some of it's free but some of it is a paid service and of course if you're listening to a paid service when you shouldn't be that's illegal so i'm not going to say that the information is there. You can physically see it, right? Just like an encrypted signal on your scanner, right? You know there's a signal there. Well, when you look at an FM signal and you look at the IF part of the spectrum, you can see there's signal there. And that's as far as we're going to take this conversation. But it is really, really neat that all of this data is sitting there in our FM radio. Now, again, if you've ever seen FM spectrum on uh, you know plotted out on on Silver Phone Radio, you also notice too on bookends on most FM carriers, there's kind of like this square on either side of it or a rectangle, and those are the upper and lower sidebands, I guess you call them, for HD radio. And again, all this can be found on software-defined radio. So again, I was just poking around, just seeing what I can get and see what I can listen to and just something to play around with and just just uh, just have fun with. You know, That's all part of the fun of being in radio. Now again, if you want to learn how to actually set up a software-defined radio, we got a free course for you. We also got a paid course over at courses.scannerschool.com. But we are really talking about what I've been doing in the shack this week, because we're going to talk about Bill Cheek. Now, before we get any further in this week's podcast, I want to take a few minutes to thank our Patreon supporters. Now, Patreon is an affordable way for you to support the podcast and our upcoming expansion into YouTube for 2022. So think of Patreon as the PBS model of helping out Scanner School. For a monthly or yearly donation, not only do you help support the podcast, but depending on your donation tier, you will receive certain benefits. The most popular benefit tier being our $5 a month or the $51 a year tier. It's the same tier. We just discount if you can pay us over a year. Now, this tier offers the podcast and YouTube videos early, and also you receive a free squelchy pack of stickers, several discounts, and access to our monthly live scanner radio roundtable discussion we hold monthly on Zoom. Oh, and by the way, most of the Patreon levels also get a special version of the podcast that does not include the middle advertising break in each episode. Now, find out more about Patreon and our supporting tiers by visiting scannerschool.com slash Patreon. I'd also like to take a moment here and thank all of our Patreon supporters. Alan Gonzalez, Arthur Heron, Bill Kay, Brandon Sammons, Brian King, Buzz Gold, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Dave Pascoe, David C., Denny Crotty, Ed Walsh, Edward Bramlett, Glenn Wright, Greg Johnson, Guy Lee, Jack Haycock, Jacques Berry, James Broxson, James Felling, James Peruta, Jay Reed, Jeff Block, Jeff Chapman, Jeff McLeod, Jenny Taylor, Jim B., Jim Heinrich, Joe Curtis, Joe Kordoff, John Keel, John Sweeney, John Goldenberg, Joshua Robb, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Barra, Les Stevenson, Lloyd R., Mark Beebe, Mason Kramer, Michael Gorman, Michael Kroger, Mike Lopez, Nicholas Stenger, Paul Teal, Paul Seish, Randy Lee Wright, Raymond Hill, Ronnie Bach, Sal Marandola, Scott Lefgren, Tim Mazza, Ted Glendie, and William Arcand. All right, Bill Cheek. Now, 
if you haven't been in the scanner radio hobby for long or you got into the scanner radio within the last 20 years, there's a good chance that you haven't heard of Mr. Cheek. But if you've been in the hobby since the 80s, the 90s, you probably have heard of Bill Cheek. You've probably read some of his publications. Maybe you got excited about certain scanner models because of what he has done to the hobby. I'm on the part of it where I knew of Bill Cheek only because of what I've heard about him. See, I got into the hobby when he was still around. I was too young, though, to understand or or gain access to the stuff that he was teaching and doing. And then I kind of regained interest in the scanner radio hobby just before, spoiler alert, just before he passed. But I got to say, Mr. Cheek, Bill Cheek, was a pioneer when it came to radios. And I think that if he was still alive today, what he would see that's available in the scanner radio market would probably, he'd probably lose his mind. Or maybe he would have something that would completely would have turned the scanner radio market on its head. See, he was active in the scanner radio hobby from the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s, all the way until his passing. And it's his fascination with scanners and what you can listen to them is what got him in legal trouble. Not just once, but multiple times. His final bout with law enforcement had multiple agencies after him, including the U.S. Secret Service, FBI, Customs, Postal Inspectors, NYPD, as well as other law enforcement agencies. And we'll talk about all of that in the second half of the podcast. But in the first half of this podcast, I want to talk about who Bill was, what made him basically a star in the scanner radio hobby, what it is that he brought to the hobby, and the stuff that he published that we all had access to, and we all still have access to. For example, he authored several books. He has the Scanner Modification Handbook, Handbook Volume 1 and 2, The Ultimate Scanner, and secrets, I'm sorry, scanners and secret frequencies. The ultimate scanner, by the way, is what he was out to build. He wanted, he his, his quest was to build the ultimate scanner. And by modifying the scanners that are available off the shelf, he was allowing you to add certain things into the scanners. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But he loved to tinker. He loved to tinker with radios and he loved to write about what he was doing so that he could teach other people how to do what it was he was doing. How to share, how to take a radio out of the box, add a couple of boards to it, add a little circuit to it, tap into something here and there, and then make the radio do something it wasn't supposed to do. And it could be very simple, such as add a an S meter, right? Something like that. It, it, it's just brings you some eye candy to your radio, but he would teach you how to do that. That was all part of his books. So how did Bill share information with users? Well, he ran a bulletin board system. And now I don't know if some of you are old enough to understand what a big deal a bulletin board system was back in the day. But let me just tell you this. First of all, you needed to know the phone number to call in to access that bulletin board with your computer's phone and modem, right? You actually had to dial the phone number and then connect to the bulletin board and log into it if you needed a username and password. 
And this was all text-based, right? No, no graphical, no web page, no AOL splash screen. This was, welcome to my BBS. Please log in, username and password, right? Then you'd have certain menu items that you could do, like look at the files or leave a message or you know, send a personal message to somebody else. Yeah, that we can do now. But again, very basic communication or a resource to grab information. He also had information out there on his own website. He had information, again, we said in, in books. He had information out in magazines. And even through the um, the old alt, IRC, was it alt? Usenet, right? That's what it used to be called. It would be like alt.radio.scanners or alt. whatever you know the path was, right? That's how a lot of information was shared that Bill Cheek was working on. So, yeah, we're going back to a time where it was also – Send me a check and I'll subscribe you to my magazine type of publications because that's also what Bill did. He had his own magazine called the Full Disclosure Magazine. And this was kind of like one of these uh, conspiracy type of deals a little bit, a little bit scare tactic. But it was all basically about how the government was spying on you and how they were using radios to do such a thing and all the things that you could pick up to listen to what they were listening to. Very interesting stuff, pretty far out there, but that's the kind of stuff he was into. But he also had his own publication called The World Scanner Report. Now, again, this was basically printed at home, right, on a laser printer, basically all text, maybe a couple crude graphics or an image smacked in there, and maybe less than a dozen pages in length, right, printed out, folded up, and mailed to you. Self-published magazine and that was was it the, the cat's pajamas i guess you'd call it and it started back in 1991 and again you think about it right when you're like ah it's just 1991 but that was that was quite a few years ago right at this point 30 years my lord but if you want to see what the magazine looked like you can actually go to the internet archive and look at all of the World Scanner Report publications. And we'll leave a link to that in the podcast description. If you're listening to this over on YouTube, it'll be down in the description of the video. And hopefully on your podcast player, whatever app you're using, I believe you just swipe up, there'll be the description and we'll have a link in there for you as well. And if we don't, somebody yell at me and I'll get it added. Bill also ran his own engineering firm or his own radio shop, I guess you can call it, called Comtronics Engineering. And of course, the World Scanner Report, full disclosure, and, and his website all ran under that umbrella. Bill also wrote for Popular Communications Magazine and Monitoring Times, right? The two big magazines that were huge. And of course, that is also how Bill got a following, right? That's how he got himself into more people so that they can see what he was doing. Before all that, though, Bill published the 11 Meter Journal, which was a CB magazine. And of course, 11 meters references the length or the wavelength of the CB frequencies here in the United States down in 27 megahertz. Now, rumor has it that the FCC did come after him for what he wrote in the 11 Meter Magazine Journal, citing that he was encouraging others to help or encouraging others to break the law. And rumor continues to say that there was a little bit of an agreement between Bill and the FCC 
that if he ceased to publication of his magazine, then the FCC would cease their investigations against him. Whether or not that is true or not, that's that's a lot of hearsay and folklore, but again, nothing else ever came of that investigation. So there's a little bit of uh, fact, I guess, or a little bit uh, to that urban legend there. But let's keep on going here with uh, the magic and what Bill Cheek brought to the hobby. See, Bill loved the Pro 2004. And fortunately for a lot of us, and also fortunately for him, the Pro 2004, 2005, and 2006 were all really built very similar when it came to the guts of the scanner. And because Bill wrote a lot about what you can do with the radio, it really helped accelerate sales of the Radio Shack Pro 2006 specifically. Helped give it a cult following, right? It really became the radio to buy because of a lot of the publications and a lot of the hacks that Bill had written for that radio. Specifically, we talked about it just before, right? An ex- external S meter, a signal strength meter, the ability for data skip and computer and audio interfaces. And computer and audio interfaces was something that was out there, right? That that was cutting edge at the time. Could you imagine in his quest to build the ultimate scanner? If he got in a time machine and would be able to see what we have today, I mean, if Bill was still alive, his head would have exploded. The TRX-1, right, or the, the old Whistler or GRE product line, the first scanner radio to take a internet database and load it into a scanner. And then you've got, again, the TRX-1 wasn't the first one, but it's, it's the ultimate outcome of that radio. And then you've got the color display on the SDS 100 and 200, trunking and simulcast and and recording, GPS, all built into a radio. I mean, these were things that were unthought about 30 years ago when Bill was was creating these publications and and hacks for these radios, right? We'll say 20, 30 years ago, right? Give the guy some credit. I mean, he was he was writing and, and doing things right up until the very end here. But another thing that Bill did that was very important to the hobby was documenting discriminator taps in multiple different versions of radios. Now, for anybody who doesn't know, discriminator taps basically means is you tap off the IC in the radio. That gives you the baseband audio, right? It's the unfiltered audio. Basically, it comes in right over the air. And it doesn't go through any of the the, the, the frequency cutoffs and 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 you know before you hear it before it comes out of the speaker of the scanner, right? It's the raw, untouched audio. Bill documented on each IC, right? The, the specific IC to tap off of to get your discriminator tap in multiple different radios. In fact, if you even look up, you know, model XYZ discriminator tap, if it was a radio that was built. I'd say late 90s and earlier, Bill would have had a document on how to do that. And a lot of it is now in one, just one giant text file. Yes, it's a text file with ASCII art in it, but it would show you what pins to tap. I've downloaded this this uh, you know for many years ago, and I've built many discriminated taps on radios thanks to the hard work that Bill has done. Now, again, you would take this audio that came off the screen and you would feed it into your computer. 
right? It's unfiltered. It's what the computer would need to be able to tap into in order for other pieces of software to run. So for example, if you were using something on your computer that was a, what you were receiving other data communication or other computer based language or computer transmission over the air, you needed to be uh, plugged into the screen or tap on your scanner. That's the only way it would ever work because if it went through your, your line out or your headphone jack, it was already filtered and that all of the data would make it through. So that's why the screen taps were very important. And this was also something that led towards the demise of Bill Cheek. But Bill would be amazed if you showed him a software-defined radio today. I think it would just make his, like I said before, make his head explode. To take a software-defined radio and feed it into software like DSD Plus or Unitrunker or anything else out there that, that can log and, and look at trunking layering and, and everything else that comes along with that. I mean, this is what he was after. I mean, that that really probably would have been right where he felt home at, right? Is tinkering and looking and, and understanding how all that stuff worked. The man was an absolute legend. And unfortunately, I was, I guess, again, I was saying, unfortunately, I wasn't old enough at the time to really appreciate back then everything he was doing for the hobby, but I certainly do appreciate what he did today. Now, for anybody who was around during that time, I would love to hear some of the stories that you have or some of the things that you did because of Mr. Cheek's publications. Now, if you want to go over to our Discord server over at scannerschool.com slash Discord, let's discuss this. Let's talk about some of the things that Bill did and maybe some of the things that you did because of what you found in Bill Cheek's publications. We will, I'd love to have that conversation with you. Now, on the other side of the break here, we're going to talk about some of the legal issues that Bill and his wife Cindy faced and due to some of Bill's projects and what ultimately led to his passings. And as a reminder, anybody who is a $3 or higher Patreon supporter does not get this break. For everybody else, we'll see you in just a second. And reminder, scannerschool.com slash Patreon will get you over to that $3 level and no commercial breaks. We'll be right back. Hey, did you realize it takes us almost $100 a week just to have this podcast episode professionally edited and sent over to you? This doesn't even include website and podcast hosting, administrative help, and other monthly subscriptions that are required to put the podcast out there. Now, you can help us offset these costs when you shop online. So if you're looking for a scanner radio or some software, looking to bid on items over on eBay, or if you're looking to purchase anything, and I mean anything, on Amazon, you can help support Scanner School in the process, and this doesn't come at any extra cost to you. So please check out scannerschool.com support for the multiple different ways that we have out there that you can help support us when you shop online. Again, scannerschool.com support. Are you looking to learn more about the Scanner Radio Hobby? We currently have courses on how to get started and up and running with software-defined radios and how to turn your SDR into a fully functioning scanner radio. With free software, you can see more and do more with trunking than ever before. And with new courses scheduled for the upcoming months, our offerings will be expanding into both Uniden and Whistler hardware and software. Check out our courses at courses.scannerschool.com or by looking for the link in this podcast description. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, 
MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues, too. Visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issue and sign up today. Did you know that a pager can make a great addition to your scanner radio collection? And even if I didn't own East Coast pagers... I still have one or maybe a couple of pagers as a part of my scanner radio setup. This is because a pager can be used to just monitor your local fire department or your regional departments. And if you set it up correctly to alert you when the tones are sent over the air, then the pager will remain silent until you need to know what is going on. This frees up your scanner to monitor everything else that's going on besides your local stuff or can prevent you from missing the local stuff because your scanner is busy doing other things. Now, pagers aren't just limited to fire dispatches anymore. Unication has great solutions to monitor both analog and P25 paging systems, where many public safety and police departments are switching over to. Swiss Home and Apollo make great analog solutions as well, and all three still sell POGSAC and Flex pagers, still in use by many departments for text alerting. East Coast Pagers is an Apollo, Swiss phone, and Unication dealer serving the North American market and, of course, is one of my online companies. So if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, contact us for a free quote and let us know you're a Scanner School listener for something a little extra with your order. For our full inventory or to request a quote or just to contact us, please visit eastcoastpagers.com. All right, so just before the break, we talked about some of the things that Bill Cheek did for the hobby, and we teased the fact that, yes, Bill found himself in some legal hot water. Now, Bill's company, Comtronics, would sell these kits that would take the discriminated baseband audio from a scanner and feed that to a computer. This allowed you to pass those zeros and ones, or those bits and bytes, from your scanner radio that you're receiving over the air and send them out to your computer, specifically to certain pieces of software. Now, a lot of this stuff would feed software like Unitrunker or Trunk 88 or other pieces of software that needed the raw data, right? If it was a computer-based signal coming over the air, you needed a tap on your scanner to bring that to the PC. So not only did Bill know how to do that, and he shared it, and basically, right, it was a do what you this is this is what you do and, and how you get there, but you're on your own the rest of it, right? He also had the, dis- the disclaimer on his website, right, that, you know, we're not responsible for anything you do with this information. This is truly just up for your information, right? We can't be held responsible, but unfortunately, that wasn't enough to save Mr. Cheek. You see, not only did Bill have on the on his website the information on how to tap your scanner, but he also had the plans on his website on how to build an interface that would take that audio from your scanner and interface it with your computer. But to add one more to it, he also sold it as a kit. So you didn't have to go to Radio Shack or go online to whatever company you would have gone to it back in the day and buy all these components so that you he could just source the kit. You could build it yourself at home. Again, with the disclaimer that this is just a model kit and do what you you want with it and we can't be held responsible for anything you might happen to do with the kit. And of course, he also sold the kit completely assembled and tested. And again, with the disclaimer of, you know, we can't be held responsible for what you do with the kit because this can be used perfectly legal with a bunch of other things. But 
to each their own and don't be stupid, basically. Well, Bill also sold this kit with a piece of software. Now, this software was available to anybody who had a dial-up connection on their computer, and the software was available on multiple bulletin boards and message boards and Usenet servers and websites at the time. And, you know, the software allowed you to do multiple different things on a radio that had a discriminator tap. Well, one of these things that the software allowed you to do is monitor mobile data terminals or MDTs. For anybody that doesn't know what an MDT is, it's the computer that sits in a police car or in a fire truck or an ambulance or anything else that is public safety related where they pass information back and forth, such as DMV queries and social security numbers and birth dates and names and addresses, arrest records, warrants, and even private or personal conversation between police officers because they figured that nobody could ever listen to an MDT, except for the fact that MDTs were not encrypted. That's right. Perfectly in the clear. No encryption whatsoever on that signal. Whoever sold that MDT probably misled public safety into thinking that nobody could ever listen to any conversation because maybe they said it was encrypted. Maybe they wanted to get a sale. But whatever the reason, it was a perfectly open computer transmission. I can say an open language because I'm sure the software that he had allowed you to format the data so that whatever the language was was reverse engineered so that it could be read and, and shown on, a, on your own personal computer screen. And, of course, as with all bad things that happen to in the news, right, sometimes certain people say things they shouldn't say. And back in 1991, when Rodney King was arrested, a couple of police officers happened to pass some remarks over their MDTs and it was used against them. So how did that data come to be? I don't know. But what I am going to say is that Bill Cheek found himself in a lot of hot water because he had the devices and was selling the devices that allowed people to monitor MDTs. The fact that you could have done other things with this with the the box didn't really seem to matter. It, it didn't matter that it could do a bunch of other things. What mattered was the fact that they were picking up mobile data terminals with this device. Yeah, the the, the MDTs were unencrypted, but it again somebody had to get blamed. And it was easy to blame Bill Cheek. Now, I'm going to read here basically a part of an article that was written in the San Diego Reader. And this is about Bill's arrest. And this is about, this is Bill telling the story here to the reporter. And I'm I'm going to quote it right here. So it says, at about 7 a.m. on Wednesday, March 31st, 1999, Cindy and I were enjoying our first cup of coffee for the day when there came a loud banging on the door. We supposed it to be an early morning overnight FedEx or UPS for delivery, so I answered the door. A badge was shoved in my face with the announcement that there was a warrant for Cindy's and my arrest and a search of the premises. I stepped back and a dozen or so armed agents from the U.S. Secret Service, FBI, Customs, Postal Inspectors, and even a local cop or two charged in. I was handcuffed and put on the couch. Cindy groggily wandered into the area wondering what the commotion was all about and was also handcuffed. 
The next two hours were typical TV-style search and seizure situation. Then we were hauled off to be fingerprinted and jailed. Since the warrant was issued by a judge in New York City, Cindy and I apparently have to be tried there. It doesn't matter that we can't afford to travel to and fro, coast to coast, and that we have no peers in New York. I've never even set foot in New York, he continues. The fact is, we'll have to go to New York for the indictment hearing and for the trial. Should it go that far? And the bleak side of it, that coupled with the fact that we can't afford to hire a competent attorneys who are skilled in electronics communications law. Can you believe that? So, how did they get him? What did they actually get Bill Cheek for? Well, according to the complaint, a couple of New York City police officers ordered five kits off the internet from Bill. They claim that the kits unscrambled the encrypted messages that passed between the mainframe computers at police and fire departments to those onboard computers or mobile data terminals in the cars. Now, they're saying that it's encrypted. I think that's where they, they got them on, right? And they go ahead and they quote that these are primarily useful in the purpose of the surreptitious interception of electronic communications to wit mobile data terminal information broadcast by law enforcement agencies and the agency's service organizations in violation of Title 18, United States Code Section 2512, Paragraph 1, Subpart A, I guess, 1A. Now, as if that wasn't bad enough for Bill and Cindy, but somebody in my own county, right here in Nassau County, New York, posted Pages and pages and pages. How many pages? 93. They posted 93 pages of MDT data traffic on their own website. Did they go after that guy? They went after the cheeks, that's for sure. Nassau County Police had 93 pages of MDT data traffic posted in a public website by a scanner radio user here in Nassau County, New York, and Nassau County police confirmed that that was actual MDT traffic for the day. And now we wonder why Nassau County police wanted to go encrypted when they had the opportunity. I mean, there was other reasons why Nassau County police probably wanted to go encrypted, and we're not going to go into that here on this conversation, but I'm sure that that was one of the reasons why they wanted to go encrypted. Now, again... It keeps getting worse for the Cheeks because at the age of 53, while this was all going on, Bill found out he had lung cancer. Bill had no health insurance. He's got to pay for lawyers, transportation from California to New York City, hotel stays, and who knows what else. It's all on his dime. I mean, can it get any worse for the guy? Yeah, it actually does. Because on the very first day he's supposed to start a chemotherapy, guess what? He's supposed to be in court in New York City. How can this guy be in San Diego and New York at the exact same time? And again, if that wasn't bad enough, the judge says, well, if you're not here in New York in front of me on this date, there'll be a warrant for your arrest. Holy smokes, right? Like they were after this guy. They wanted to make 
an example out of him. So Bill had, he had a huge dilemma on his hands. Does he go to court? Or does he go to the doctor? I mean, what do you think his chances were either way? Not good, right? So, I mean, fortunately for Cindy Cheek, all the charges against her were eventually dropped. I think Bill realized that he was really in a no-win situation. Probably took a toll on the guy. In the year 2000, Bill passed away. So a year after, he was basically had a badge shoved in his face, you know, his own words, and his house raided. He passed away. Bill Cheek leaves behind a legacy. The man paved the way for what the scanner radio hobby would be. And I am positive, had he be alive today and had been a free man and been allowed to play with radios, he would have loved to have seen what today would have been with the scanner radio hobby. I like to think that Bill is up there somewhere, if you believe that, right? If you believe in that, you know, he's he's up there with Paul Opitz from from Uniden, you know, talking about all of the great things that uh, the two of them did with the scanner radio hobby. Maybe they're hanging out with Tesla and Morse and Hertz and other radio pioneers, right? Taking notes and creating the ultimate radio. So with that, I'm going to say that's the story of Bill Cheek, right? Almost to the anniversary date of when he uh, his world came crashing down. If you know of somebody that would love to hear this story, please share the podcast with them. If you have something you'd like to add or something I've missed or something I left out or maybe something I got wrong, head on over to our Discord server. Let's talk about it. Scannerschool.com slash Discord. And again, want to thank Bill for everything you've done to the hobby. A lot of us wouldn't be doing what we're doing because, because of you. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this is Scanner School. We teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. Again, don't forget to submit your questions for next week, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday, 73.